Hey everyone, welcome back to the Brothers of the World podcast, filming right after the Milan Derby victory. Everyone's fired up. We've got Risto here and we have special guest Dave. How you doing, man? Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan of the pod and, you know, I've been dropping hints for an invite and I'm finally getting my invite and I'm in. No better time than after a derby, so I'm going to talk the... Um, can I cuss on here? Of course. Oh yeah, I'm gonna talk this shit. Yeah, I've, I've heard, I've heard Chino cut, so you guys can't tell me I can't cut. <laughs> yeah, let it loose. We just whatever comes out comes out on here, you know. <laughs> got Christo too. How you feeling after the big win? You know, as soon as we start recording, you know that either we won or a long time has passed since we lost the match. If we if it, if you're recording after a loss, so you already know that we are all in a great mood. Uh, we're coming off of a, of a victory against Lazio last week and now Milan. I mean, this is as hectic as the Tiki Taka show, but the international version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, you guys are big like that? <laughs> nah, nah. A army of like 100 dedicated listeners going to take over the world. Hey, everyone starts with 100 and then slowly and slowly and slowly. So, That's right. Never seen That's never. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's fair, right. fair. It's crazy, you know. We're coming off of two two big wins that were a lot more comfortable than maybe like I thought. At least I thought they were going to be. I was expecting four from six probably against mm-hmm. Lazio and Milan. Like I thought one of those was going to be a draw, just because those two teams have been in good form and they have been strong in the league. Um, well, I'll let you kick it off, Dave. What? were you expecting going into this run of two matches and what has really been surprising? Like, uh, person, um, personally, Mikey, I'll say the same. I expected um, four. I would have been happy with four. And, of course, six is the ultimate prize and we ended up getting that. The, the match that I was more um, scared of, for lack of a better word, is the Lazio game because, what, before they played us, they had six, six wins in a row and looking good doing it as well, you know? So... I was expecting it because for some reason we always end up like we score first and then we we end up dropping points to them. So I thought that's what was going to happen. But to be honest, like I, I was confident that we were going to slap Milan, like, to be honest. So that happened. I'm glad we got the six points. And it's, it's, it's always great when you're wrong and um, your, your expectations are exceeded as opposed to being um, let down. So I'm glad Inter did that for me. Unpleasant surprise. I mean, unexpected surprise. Yeah. What about you, Hristo? Um, I know we're a little more pessimistic sometimes, especially that Juve episode we did, but were you expecting <laughs> six from six or what? I mean, you always expect Inter to win. Like, going to every single match, you expect them to win. And as soon as the game starts unfolding, you slowly get to realize that, you know, this match, you're going to the match to you know, not concede or try to use your wing backs to score or to be more passive than it was the case in some other matches. And mm-hmm. probably, I mean, if you if you say that you were hoping for six points, I would believe you. But if you say that you knew that we would have won six points, I don't trust you just because it's Inter and you never know with them. Mm-hmm. You never know. You never know. You never know which kind of side of Inter you're going to see that weekend. But as we all heard and, you know, saw with our own eyes, it's different when you play one game a week. And I think that's the main um, difference when it comes to the preparedness for every single match. Considering we don't have any injuries so far, thank God. And hopefully that streak continues. Although we saw some, you know, Barella coming off today. Uh, with a hamstring injury. I don't know what mm-hmm. was that all about. But as far as the match goes against Lazio, I think um, going back a week, we dominated the match at the beginning. And then uh, as soon as we scored, we established some sort of a, you know hierarchy and allowed them to have the ball most of the time, like 60-something percent. And we just used mm-hmm. our counter-attacking skills to uh, pay, repay everything that we were supposed to do. All right, great. Well, if I may add something real quick, um, I think that 
you're you're spot on there, um, Risto, because when you look at it at both matches, uh, the Lazio match and the Milan match, we could say that in general, it's it's two of the same matches because uh, we we did not have the majority of the possession. You know, we suffered mm-hmm. for for large majorities of the match of the matches, but we took our chances well, and we're good value for both victories. Um, Milan, for example, Milan actually they created more chances than I thought Lazio than I thought they they would have. You know, I expected Lazio to be the ones that were the more threatening, whereas the Lazio game we were um, we were always safe. I never felt too threatened, and the goal that they scored was off a deflection, for example. So the Lazio game we, we negotiated that perfectly. Honda no vision didn't have to make those crazy saves that he had to make today, for example. So the Lazio game I feel like it was perfect. Milan, it was supposed to be the same thing, but we started a little shaky uh, the second half, and they had plenty of chances that we got to give credit when it's due. Uh, Samir came out and saved us, and, and that pretty much the reason why we were able to go in and um, score two more goals and put the match away. Yeah, that's pretty spot on. Um, I did think we were safer against Lazio. Like, I thought there weren't as many, you know, hard in mouth moments. But, you know, mm-hmm. it is a derby in the end. So even if mm-hmm. Milan, you know, are coming off of, you know, like the hardest 2-2 draw out there against um, Stankovic's Red Star, like, yeah, still going to be a tough match. And, like, they looked up for it for good parts of it. But I think Inter really setting the tone with that first goal, Lukaku to Lautaro, like, even though after that, you know, we sat back a little bit, I feel like that really set the tempo and that, that was what we did a lot in the beginning under Conte, you know, like we'd score early. Yeah, that ignore that. But mm-hmm. we score early, like but then we'd fall back, like especially in Champions League, and you give up that goal. You give up that goal to Barca, you give it up to Dortmund. Like we weren't we weren't giving that up, but that early mm-hmm. goal from Alcaro was a hallmark of early Conte, and it's good to see that back and like actually coming good on it. Yeah, for sure. And that's something that us um, Inter fans, we we should definitely feel very, very confident about because this guy, that's his forte and everybody knows it. You know, he's this obsessive coach that's going to spend 12 hours a day studying one opponent the whole week and preparing his team for every little movement, knowing what every team is, what the team is going to do. You know, the fact that we don't have that midseason game for him to have to rush the preparation per se, he has one week to actually prepare for each match I'm very very confident if we could stay if we could stay um healthy and not pick up uh important injuries man uh that lead is supposed to to be to be growing within the next couple weeks coming up I completely agree with you too um but you know the I think the main point when it comes to both matches is us scoring goals very early in the first half basically the first half of the first half let's say uh, we scored oh. against Lazio in the 22nd minute with a penalty, and then we scored today in the fifth minute. So I think when you have such an early lead against such opponents, mm-hmm. their game plan, their game plan um, that they have prepared for and worked for for a whole week, goes down the drain. So basically, everything they've done for five days, preparing not to attack or to certain to to use a certain style and this and that, go goes out of the window, and. And in the case of, of Milan today, I think we started off pretty well and we we paced ourselves uh, as we should, uh, as a mm-hmm. champion does. You know, you don't have to run for 90 minutes to win a match. You just know when to run or and how to run. Uh, you, you know, that championship, Scudetto, is not something that you win overnight, but you have to work towards the same goal, you know, week in, week out. And... Mm-hmm. Us, you know, going out of the Champions League uh, as a fourth place, not even in Europa League, maybe it, it, it will be a blessing at the end of the season. Maybe that's the main point that we can grab on to and we will speak of us winning the Scudetto in June, in May. So there's a lot of uh, stuff to do, but I think the, the win today against Milan and the way that we played is a, is a very good start towards uh, a goal that we all share. Yeah, you know, four points up in February, you know, if you ask me back in October, like, would I sign for that? What, what would I do for that? I'd, I'd rip your arm off for that. Like, I need, sure. uh, like, to be up four points, Juve still floundering, Milan, 
you finally, I think, push down a little bit. Like, and now we have two easier, well, easier on paper matches with Parma and Genoa coming up, not in that order. But, I mean, it's a good spot to be in. But to go back to what happened today, like, I think this was really, like, the return to form that we saw against Lazio for Lukaku and Lautaro, like, was huge because we saw that against McKay, and those two guys were huge. Mm -hmm. Um, Dave, what do you think about um, the Lukaku-Lautaro performance really setting the tone early, like we talked about? Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head there. Like, like by um, they 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 got back to form against Lazio, and today it was more of a continuation of that. And of course, you know, uh, Lukaku personally was going to be more motivated. He had the extra motivation. Uh, you could tell that from um, from the first goal after he crossed it to uh, Lotaro and Lotaro scored. You see him celebrating as if he's the one that scored it. You th- you could tell that it means that extra much to him. And that, that's just a beautiful thing to watch. And the connection between the two, oh, man, like we're, we're so lucky. We're, it's the best in the world right now. Uh, of course, not many teams play with um, two strikers, but that combination, I'm sure, because of what we're seeing now, we're going to see more teams copying it. Because them two, the fact that uh, central defenders have to deal with two of them as opposed to one central striker most of the time, it's a problem. And having that understanding, the one-two, the movement, that's the reason why Romaglione, he had a, he had a hard time today, man. And it's, I love that. I just love it because that guy, like, they keep comparing him to Skriniar and stuff. Like, he's he's not even in that same category. I'm so happy with, with Lula, Mike. Um, not tell me not to ramble too much. I'm happy with, with the form that they, they picked back up. And I think that we're going to be just fine. They're going to carry us to victory. What do you mean not to ramble? That's, that's the main point of a podcast. It's to talk <laughs> shit when we can and... You know, to shut up when we cannot speak. But yeah, I agree <laughs> with you. I think, you know, Romagnoli, in all honesty, he hasn't performed against Inter. I cannot remember a single game that he played well. Yeah, and, you're right. You know... And it, we can add today to the long list of, like, <laughs> photos of um, Romagnoli standing beside Inter goal scorers. How is that possible? <laughs> like, I cannot believe what, what's happening. Like, that guy is always on the wrong side of history. It was Vecino, it was uh, Icardi, it was Lukaku, it's uh, Lautaro. Like, that's comical at, at this point. <laughs> You're right. But, yeah. But, yeah, that guy's going to be getting cooked. I don't, I, don't, I don't see how that doesn't look good for a captain of Milan. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not only him. Like, Tonali didn't perform at all, and he has been... A flop. If that was happening to an Inter signing, everyone would have been, uh, you know, praising uh, or not praising, but um, disregarding Bro, the signing. Hakimi still gets like he still gets lit up in the media, and he's had a better first season at a new club than Tonali. Like it's just we know that like Inter is under a microscope that a lot of other clubs aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're definitely the black sheep of Italy. So whatever we do, it, it gets under a microscope mm-hmm. and they look for the negatives as opposed to the positives. So, of course, it, it's unfair for us to criticize Tonali so much because he's 20 and stuff like that. But when you think about it, Hakimi is 21. It's one year older, you know. But if, if Hakimi can be criticized, so can be, so should be uh, social Tonali. But I felt like he didn't do so bad today. He was anonymous for the... For, the, for most of the first half, but he had a couple actions in the second half. He almost had a goal. Thank God that didn't go through because I we would never heard the, the end of that. You, <laughs> you know the one where Andanovic was able to save it. Yeah. Thank thank God, man. If we were gonna concede anybody but Tonali would have been fine with me, man. Because I know I talk a lot of shit. So a lot of a lot of people would have been retweeting some of my old tweets. <laughs> but yes, man. Uh, Tonali, Tonali's been shit. So I'm I'm happy that we, we missed out on that signing, that's for sure. Yo, I just wanted to pose a question to both of you. Um, what do you make of the performance of the Lion of Milano? <laughs> what Lion? The, the kitty cat, Ibrahimovic. <laughs> the little rooster with the ponytail <laughs> meme. Uh, I'm still trying to find out. Oh, oh, I think Romagnoli has a lion tattoo, if that's what you're talking about. <laughs> right? Yo, no? He- I mean that—that's part of it, I think. 
It's a portrait of their striker. I don't I don't know what that was at the end of the, the game. Well, not at the end. After Lukaku scored that third goal, he was clapping. Was he was he conceding? Was that what that was? Or was he just trying to um inspire his truth? What was that, Mike? What do you guys think, Hirsto? Um, I like when he when like they showed Zlatan just sitting there like clapping. It reminded me of Ronaldo after the Barella goal where he was just kind of like smirking. He like, you know, well, what can you do? What can you do? And like that from the two biggest like oppositions in Syria, like that's pretty telling of the season that Inter are having. Yeah, man. I mean, we, the season so far hasn't been as impressive as we would have hoped. Uh, a season that, you know, a winning season after a Scudetto winning season after a ten-year drought. Because you know we've been talking, we've been talking so much shit about the club, about um, the mistakes by everyone. Maybe it's because we we're doing podcasts, you know, every two weeks, let's say, uh, as opposed to every week. But even if it was more frequent, I think it would have been the same. It's not like dominating performance and we'll lose. It's not like uh, it's not like that, but more of um, mm-hmm. we perform when we need to, and that's a sign of someone that you know that's on a path to win something. Because Juventus with Allegri, they were playing. Um, I mean, they were not playing good sometimes or most of the time, but they're still winning, and um, that that's happening with Inter with uh, against Napoli that I can remember like a few months ago. Um, against Lazio, we scored and then we tried to use um, our pace and our strikers, our wing-backs to mm-hmm. dominate the match in a sense, not in a possession-wise, but chance-wise. That's the case with Milan today. We sat back um, most of the um, most of the time after scoring the goal. Milan took the initiative and then we started piling on the pressure. Mm-hmm. When the second start started, when the second half started, uh, Ibrahimovic had some a few chances. He didn't convert them. Uh, Handanovic made some good saves. Uh, one of those hit him uh, right in, in his chest, but it doesn't matter. A save is a save mm-hmm. at the at the right place at the right time. And you know we we started using uh, what we mentioned. Uh, we started using the force that we had. We scored a goal, and I think after the second goal, um, slowly but surely we took um, what that was what was ours. And the third goal came as, as a reward of everything we've, that we've done so far. Uh, us sitting high, Milan going all out uh, in attack. Mm-hmm. And Romagnoli was the only one that, uh, that was left to defend Lukaku, which is unfortunate for them. <laughs> I don't know if you could even call that defending, because that was a pathetic <laughs> attempt that he made, to be honest. But Risto, like, you're, you're spot on, man. Like I, I agree with what you said. And I think what what it is is it's a maturity that this team has um has gained throughout the season and it's shown recently um i guess you could say that against juve that's that's where that's the first time that the team pretty pretty much showed it like we suffered when we needed to we allowed them to have the ball at, at times but we were never really truly threatened we took our chances as few as they may have been but that's all that matters you know and um at times we would well, in the past, we would expect, almost expect a goal to come, like for us to concede a goal and then, mm-hmm. oh, shit, here we go again. But now I'm starting to feel confident in this team. Like, okay, you know what? Let them have the fucking ball. You know what? They're not going to do anything with it, you know? Because that's what they're starting to show me. And I have that confidence in my team now, and it feels good, man. They're earning it. You know, I wish that it could have it been displayed sooner. Maybe would have still we probably would have still been in the Champions League or um, at least Europa even if I really don't care much about that competition, but it was still a humiliation the way we went out. But the fact that it's showing up now and the main the main objective was always the Scudetto anyway. If we could still salvage that, I think we could just uh, we could just leave the Champions League out um, outing and the the debacle of giving Juve two goals. To, for them to go into the um, the cup final, we could leave that as water under the bridge if we could go ahead and win the Scudetto. I think that's how I feel. Yeah, trophies make everything feel better. Yeah. Uh, I think <laughs> the moral of the story. But going back to what Hirsto was saying earlier, I kind of noticed it in that point you were making, Dave. But we, like, the way that the season's been criticized is really because of that September, October, November period, mm-hmm. just really in Champions League where, you know, it, 
wasn't coming off. You know, we had chances, still could have been into the next round, and maybe, you know, we're not talking about it. But, Mm -hmm. like, those suffering performances, even though, like, in the league, we'd come back and be a little rusty, but then have to save a result, and we would. But just the Champions League really is what I think still has me looking over my shoulder when we're up in these matches because I'm like, oh, where's like the freak goal going to come from? When's the scoring going to try? Yeah, the, but, the, like, the brain fart. Who's going to make the stupid mistake? <laughs> yeah, who's going to miss the back pass, which I guess we still had against Juve. Oh, but much. yeah, <laughs> but Handanovic was good today. I will give uh, him credit. Yeah, like, great. Um, one of the saves was right at him, but like some of those other ones, like that was that was what we expected three, four years ago from the guy. And I think he deserves some credit for stepping up as a captain when he was needed. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Credit when it's due. Like he's he's definitely had a subpar season and I still need I still believe that at the very least we need to, to find a, a youngster that, that's going to be like that's going to have him look over his shoulder to know that okay, you know what? We have this talented kid, mm-hmm. kid on the bench. If I fuck up, they're gonna bench me. At the very least, I think that's what we need to do. Or if we could find a, if we could get a guy like Musso who's ready to replace him right now, or Cranio, for example, I say we do that. But at the very least, we need to have an understudy for him to know that you know what? I can't have that kind of season again because 36 is still not the end of it for a goalkeeper, as we know. But this season is showing that he's almost done. But today he turned back the clock when we really needed it in the big match. Those gave, those saves gave me almost um, well, what is it called again? That team, that last match that we played um, with Ben Asser and them. Well, Empoli, Empoli two years ago. Those saves. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's 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 how I was feeling with Crenyard kissing him <laughs> on the head and shit. <laughs> yeah, thank God, man. Thank God those didn't go in. And the way Dragowski went off in that game, he was the um. Empoli keeping yes, that game yes, too, yes. and it was just a goalkeeping display on both ends. On both ends, for sure. Traore, Caputo, those are the yeah. those are the names. That was such a but. Yeah, to go back to what happened today, um, we give credit to Handanovic, who's been a bit of a black sheep this season, but also like even a guy that I have bashed these past few seasons, maybe not as much on the podcast as on Twitter, but Ivan Perisic with probably his best performance in like four years for Inter. Um, I got to give him some credit. Like guy was a tank on the left. I mean, to be fair, the expectations are very low for some players at the club and he's one of them. Uh, the credit is going to do, as Dave said, he had a really good game even against Lazio and now against Milan. Uh, it is something that is expected of him because he, at the end of the day, is someone that has been at Inter for years and years, who has scored and assisted many goals, and he was part of a, a final, uh, final, finally squad in Croatia at the, at the World Cup. So he has some experience. He won something with uh, Bayern Munich last season. So the experience he's got two he had two assists today technically yeah um i think he got yeah he got the assist on one of lautaro's and he got the assist on lukaku oh they gave him an assist for lukaku yeah i don't think they did it doesn't matter it yeah. doesn't it, maybe maybe my stats are wrong it but... doesn't take away away from his performance he could have had you know zero assists and zero goals for five matches and he would still be a good servant to the club it yeah. is something that they gave Locked him both assists, actually. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just wow. I was just checking. They gave him both. Well, wow. <clears throat> I mean, to be fair, Lukaku wasn't really an assist. Yeah. Because... <laughs> hey, listen, man. Risto, Rist- yeah. listen. Allow the stat padding, please, okay? Because <laughs> you know, Milanisti, the Milan fans, they will be quick to tell you, listen, Kessie got eight goals this season, okay? So... <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter that all eight of them and, are and, and the other one is a deflection. But... <laughs> Yeah, you know, Mike. We were talking about someone, you know, the the play good, and we gave um, away the the applause and credits when it's you. But mm-hmm. what do you make of uh, Ericsson? Because he's oh, been someone man. that we all like disregarded at some point, even including myself. Are you sure? I am. Are y'all sure we signed him in like February or January of 2020 <laughs> and not 
January of 2021 <laughs> because like he has burst onto the scene and I'm <laughs> I'm glad to finally see it. <laughs> and you know what's funny is like it's a it's a common thing around Italian soccer, well Italian football when you hear people say yeah such and such has been on the team for so long. But he's finally he's finally finding his his way. It's like a new signing, so <laughs> so, so that's that's how Ericsson feels. To be honest, it's like a, a brand new signing. You see the guy; he he knows what he needs to do now. He's not thinking so much. Um, so many times you see him marking Ibrahimovic. He stole the ball from him a couple of times. He fouled Kessie. He was he didn't he didn't mind getting down and dirty. He was he got mad at Hakimi for something for not making the right run. So you can tell that the guy is into it. He knows what's supposed to be done, and he's gaining his confidence. And it's it's a beautiful thing to see, man. And after he got off, you saw that big smile with him and and Lotaro and stuff like that. Guys, it's it's a beautiful time. It's a beautiful time to be interesting right now, man. Besides, well, on the pitch, it's a beautiful thing. Um, let's hope that. In, in, a, in a certain way, I hope that Suning can manage to keep hold, keep a hold of the club. But in any way, let's hope that that situation is, is settled. But on the pitch, it's a beautiful thing right now, guys. Uh, talking about Ericsson, I didn't get to talk about um, Perisic. Perisic, what a guy. Um, I know, I'm not sure if you guys have seen the tweets, but I've always said that I think he has the motor, the work rate to be a, a, a wingback. Of course, it hasn't worked, mainly probably based, because of lack of effort in my opinion, but now you see how committed he is on defense. Lassari is one of the most dangerous winbacks in the league, and he kept them in his pocket for the most part last week. And this this week he was more offensive, of course, because Calabria is not more uh, much of an offensive threat. But we saw both sides of his game. Last week he was able to hold it down defensively against Lazio, and this week he was a threat going forward. And we saw at times where the midfielders were actually looking to shift the ball to his side because he was the one creating more as opposed to Hakimi. Usually the left side were like, please just don't fuck up. Please just make sure you, you're, ready, you're ready to track back when Hakimi is cut off the pitch. That's all I need from you. But now the left side is actually not dead and we were creating a lot on the left side. Well, starting from last match as well with Ericsson, so... I'm I'm so happy, man. As you guys can tell, I'm rambling on. Like it's so much, so many positives. There's no, there's there's so many, so many things to say about everybody. It's, I can't, I can't, I can't help but contain my my happiness. You know, talking about Hakimi, even I would mark him today as probably like having a letdown of a performance, but he still puts in a mm-hmm. highlight moment to get in for um. Oh, was it Lautaro's second goal? But or was yeah, I think it was Lautaro's yes. second goal, or it may have been Lukaku's. But he got in past like Kessier, Rebic, and Teo. Like all three of them just split them, and like I did not know how he came through that. And like even for him to have a bit of an off performance and still like have this key moment to contribute to a goal, like that shows that I think a lot of what this team is is like you know like the games are planned out so obsessively by Conte. It's almost by design that like you start out, you get your goal, you sit back, it looks a little bad, but then you go and you get your next goal. You finally give like someone like Hakimi, you're like, all right, just start running. Like something's going to happen. For sure. For sure. Mike, um, to to pick it back off of that. No, don't, don't forget your point. I'm sorry. I'm going to pick it back real quick. Oh no, no, no worries. um, That is why, it's like it's like a movie. It's like a script. Conte has everything planned out. That is why sometimes where something unexpected happens, we, we look like we're caught with our pants down. We don't have a plan B. Mm-hmm. We're still trying the same little pattern plays, and there and and we we can't get anywhere. And that's his that's his um that's his weakness, and that's also a strength of his. Uh, so if he's able to be able to at least do two game plans for a match as obsessively as he does the first one. I think he'll be a top top manager, but right now that's his limitation. But but go ahead, Mike. I'm I'm sorry for cutting off. Oh no, no worries. Uh, I w- I actually want to take the Conte discussion back. I want to give him credit, and he's really set up his teams, and I think is going to take advantage of one competition uh, with fitness and with planning for matches. Like I mean, he's got a week to dissect these guys, but to go all the way back to when Conte first signed as manager. I remember Uncle Sharma, if you're listening to this, bro, like, give me a tweet, give me a shout out or something. But I remember this one thread that he made, and he called Antonio Conte a PlayStation coach. 
and it was because of all the like you know intricate build up that is all like um scripted and rehearsed and like yeah i we see a lot of that now that everyone's bought into the system like Erickson's in, Perisage is in, everyone has finally bought in, and it's not, I mean, it's no Tiki Taka, but it's fun yeah, to watch. Yo, I prefer this to Tiki Taka. This is something that you have to work for. It's not something that's given because of the players you have. Mm-hmm. And going to the point that you both made, it's like, that's why you pay pl- uh, a premium uh, price for a player. Because even when a player like Akimi doesn't play good, you say, he played below his expectations or be, uh, below his um, qualities. Mm. He's still put, put in a performance, a shift, and everything. And all you know, he had a good game considering um, who he was going against. Because although we all laugh and everything, Teo Hernandez <clears throat> probably is the best left wing back or left back in the league. Sure. And one of the best in Europe. So you're going against him, someone that's going to run for 90 minutes. And I'm happy because even at the lowest, even when the expectations are not as high when you are facing someone like that, he's still performing well considering the circumstances. So, well, you know, I think um, considering the performances that both wingbacks had, I'm, I'm pretty decent and pretty content. Well, you know, like, Hakimi did basically anything he could to stop Teo. Like, you think to his yellow card. Like, he just ran full speed mm-hmm. into the guy. Like, I did not understand yeah. that at all. But, I think you know, they canceled each other out, and I'll take Inter canceling out Absolutely. Teo for Perisic to challenge Calabria. For sure, for sure. That's probably what it was. Hakimi had a lot of defensive responsibilities, and that's probably why he wasn't as bright today. He didn't shine as bright, but... Like you said, Mikey, he's he's the kind he's that kind of a talent that even if it's fucking up or he's not he's he's making mistakes, you just leave him on there because you know he just needs that one breakout where Lukaku is able to hold up the play and 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 push it over to him and then we're off to the races and something's gonna happen from it. You know, so and I'm glad Conte has finally learned that because in the beginning, I'm sure you guys remember he was a very he was on a very on a very short leash where he would make a mistake or two and the next thing you know, you'd have Darmian starting. But now he's still making mistakes. Don't get me wrong. He's still making mistakes now, but Conte is allowing it because Conte knows that um, his his um, his talent is worth it and he's going to make it, he's going to make up for it if he gets the right chance. And most time he has. So we've been talking a lot about the attack and a little bit of defense has come in now, but... I just counted back, and now five of the last six Serie A matches for Inter have been clean sheets. Um, do you guys think that this is the defense finally coming together, you know, after all the COVID time and injuries and suspensions and such, and now they've gotten a really good run of games in? Do you think that this is, like, just a run of form, or is this the real Inter back three? Well, I think that that is. I think that that is what it is. I think it's, it is more of this is the real bag three. You know, even from last year, we noticed that. Um, well, it was more. Um, I'll say Godin on the right, uh, De Vrij on in the middle, and Bastoni on the left. Those were our three, and um, I'm sure we all knew that once Skriniar figured it out, then he was going to be the one on the right, and it's, it's been the case. Uh, I think that just the fact that they've been able to get an extended run of play, we started the season with, of course, injuries and COVID, where we had guys like Kodorov and um, D'Ambrosio, even Frog, um, he was in and out of the lineup, so we, we didn't get any continuity. Now we got a, a, a position where the communication is there. You could tell that they know where where each other the other two is at all point where um we see DeVry sometimes covering for Bastoni on the left when he makes those runs and Screenier shifting as well. You see the continuity, you see the um cohesion and as well as far as pushing up together as a line. A couple of times Nick Quarteo and also um Ibrahimovic offside just because they're on such a the same page and we, you see that with practice and continuity. That's one thing with Conte. Conte, if he finds something that works, he's going to keep hammering it. So that's why I'm happy, and I'm also happy for Ericsson. That, that probably means that he gets to start until until something bad happens. 
But yeah, to answer your question, Mike, to, to summarize, I think we just have our three best guys in there for an extended period of time. And it's showing, you know, it's it's not three slouches either. It's three, it's two for sure world-class center backs and one that's probably going to be without a doubt center back by next, I mean, world-class by next year. So, hey, we're lucky and I'm glad we're, we're able to have all three of those guys under 28 at this point. Absolutely agree with you. And yeah. one of the, and one of those for free, and the other one oh, for man. Free. oh man. <laughs> and, and even, yeah. even Bastoni, if we want to rub it in some more, we 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 sent what two Primavera players who probably are going to be rated fifty five and FIFA for all of their career, and and so so we'll be okay. <laughs> we spent we we got those for, for for pretty cheap. All three of those center backs. Yeah, I mean, like going back to the question that Mike posed, like. I do think, I, I do agree with um, Dave that this is our defense because at the beginning of the season, we saw a lot of starting. We saw D'Ambrosio, we saw Bastoni playing as a center, a center back, mm-hmm. and none of them played together with each other ever since. So this is our real defense, considering, as Dave pointed out, Gudin starting uh, in the Europa League uh, span of matches back in August. It is something that, you know, Skriniar has struggled with. He struggled with positioning. He was overrun constantly. And I think, although credit to him, but also at the same time, I think he has a better understanding and a better teammate in um, Hakimi than he ever had with uh, Moses or Kandreva or anyone on that side. Mm-hmm. And even when he makes a mistake, which is not um, very often uh, this season, it's still covered by someone like Hakimi who can run for days who can outpace everyone that uh, that uh, faces him in Serie A. Right. So even when someone makes a mistake, you have someone that covers the mistake for them. That's the case with uh, Barella, that's the case with uh, Brozovic, who both of them, although made mistakes in previous matches, especially Brozovic, I think both of them has, have had um, a really good stretch of matches. And it shows, as Dave said too, uh, their maturity. Uh, it's not just mature in the sense that they're playing better on, on the pitch, but in the sense that if it was any other or any of the previous season, Brozovic would have made a tackle and got a yellow card mm-hmm. against Lazio. He would have started cussing and all that. He would have gotten a stupid yellow card that would have prevented him to play against uh, against Milan in the derby. And I think that shows overall maturity and uh, a better coaching and managerial stuff from Conte. For sure. Yeah, and the yellow card accumulation, like we've been up against it for a few matches now. And with Hakimi's, I think he'll miss the next match. But against Genoa, you can slot in um, Darmian and be fine, I think. Yeah, for sure. We got. We, I think he is missing the next match. I would have been happy if actually uh, one of Barella or... Uh, Brozovic probably picked up a yellow as well because we, we we could do we could do without one of them, without um, against Genoa as well, you know. And those guys are on the simulation. Yeah, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think with Barella, like he came off and it looked a little scary, but I think uh, yeah, I read that he like waved off the training staff and was like, yeah, yeah just cramps. cram, mm-hmm. like he'll be fine. Yeah, thank God for that. Hopefully, the same thing with Scriniar because I know he was like grabbing at oh. something. And I haven't oh, no, heard I didn't that. see that. We can't have starting, starting coming coming right off an injury now. Even though the next you two know, matches are yeah. more or less winnable with Genoa and Parma. Yeah, they should. we should be coming out with two wins, but Inter like to make those smaller teams harder than they should be, especially after breezing past two of your bigger matches. For sure. Pazzarente. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I think if something happens to the players, which I don't think it's any serious because they have um, been able to continue playing to a certain extent, uh, you have matches against Genoa and Parma, who both of those should be someone that um, if mistakes happen or if you play with a re- lesser teammates, um, no knock about both of them, but they're not as good as Krinier. And uh, it's better to play them and to use them as Conte used uses and used to use um, Karanokia against the smaller opposition that you are expected to win against. And 
you know, if if they don't play against teams like Genoa and Parma, who are they going to play against? And if they cannot play against them, that means that they're not the, you know, the, the quality, they don't have the quality they need to play against one of the worst teams in the league. And there's sure. no shade to... <laughs> Absolutely. Well, one oh, yeah. thing, guys, I, I see... I see we haven't mentioned my boy um, Lotaro. You know, me personally, I'm very hard on him because this is his third season and my expectations are sky high. Of course, we know that he's been very, very wasteful as of late, and I'm on his back on my Twitter. I never miss an opportunity. I even call him Bam Bam Martinez now because every time he gets in front of a goal, he panics and just swings his leg out of the ball, it seems. But but this guy, man, he's he's growing right in front of our eyes. He took both of his chances quite well today. I got no complaints. And, of course, he works hard for the team. He's constantly running, constantly nipping at somebody's, somebody's feet. This guy, is he's, he's like, a, he's like a, a central defender sometimes trying to, to track down the ball. So I'm, I'm happy with this guy, and I want to give him a shout-out because I know I'm always hard on him. So... When he does his thing, I have to make sure that I say that I, this is what I, this is what I want, and I hope he continues to do that consistently. Yeah, Lautaro, I think we've given a lot of stick on here too. Um, I think we had a discussion um, on a previous episode. I forget who was on. We had somebody on, but talking about whether he was getting to the age where he should be more composed in front of goal, and maybe he's starting to get there. He did poke. I think one over, I forget who shot it, but it was a rebound yeah, off yeah. of Donnarumma mm-hmm. that he poked. There we go again. Like, oh, Lord, mm-hmm. But, yeah, but no, that wasn't the case. And, you know, he got his goal. He always does work even if, you know, it doesn't show up on the score sheet. We see it. Like, anyone who watches the game sees it because that's just one of those places where sometimes mm-hmm. stats don't do players justice. But it's always great, and it's good to see him start getting goals. Um, he's a confidence player, we know, so – you know, the longer he keeps this run, the better. And hopefully, like, this is the true colors of Lautaro, uh, in the words of Marco from IFTV, who was calling Oof, him. throwing shades, I see. Yeah, we don't need to bring up any numbers, though, because right now, what does he have? What, 13, 13 goals? All, all non-penalty? Oof. That's not too shabby. Yeah, leading the league in non-penalty goals. That's with not Lukaku. too shabby for for overrated twenty-three-year-old. But uh, but listen, guys, because as, as as we're doing this, I'm I'm watching the Twitter the Twitter live feed. It seems like Conte is sipping the Ericsson the Ericsson Kool Aid some more now. If I may read this uh this this quote from uh, Federer Azzurra, you know uh, one of the friends, of course, of the Inter Twitter. Conte Conte says on Ericsson. Friend of the pod, Conte says on Ericsson, today was the best version of him since he arrived here at Inter. He was really good when he had the ball and also in the non-possession phase. We can still do more though, but we have found the right place for him. His improvement has made me proud. That's the kind of shit I want to see, man. Like if if Ericsson could feel comfortable and be the version of him that we know he could be, bro, people are going to have to block me on Twitter because I'm going to talk so much shit. (laughs) You know, like, right now I'm so humble, but I don't know how much more I could be humble, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, for all the disrespect that people were saying was being dished to Ericsson from Conte, maybe it was just, I guess, in hindsight, maybe it's just some motivation yeah. in the end. Because look at it now, it may just also be a product. It may also be a product of, you know, situation, chance where Vidal's out, like, you do get a good run, you get to bang in a free yeah. kick, you know. Like, it's it's been a little bit of both. I'd say it's been Conte really pushing the guy and the guy buying into it, but also, like, him finding that bit of confidence yeah. that he hadn't had. I mean, but if, if we want, to, if we want to, to, to decide who to blame and who not to blame, it's, it's easy. The, the proof is in the pudding. You just go and go back and watch a match. You could tell the difference. The guy just – he did not look like he knew what he was doing – there was a match where Conte was pretty much he had him like a like on a remote control pretty much. Ericsson left, Christian come back, Christian left, Christian right. You know, it's pretty much he pretty much had to guide him because he didn't know what he was doing, and of course he didn't speak the language and stuff. So I guess you could you could agree that Conte he knows what he was doing. The, the guy was not ready. The guy was not he couldn't even communicate with his with his teammates. 
But now both have put in the work, and it seems we're seeing the the benefits on the pitch. And I think same thing could be said of Eric uh, um, Perisic. Same thing could be said for Skriniar last year, and who else? Um, who else? I think that's about it. Uh, I mean, I gave Barella a lot. You can go back to the first episodes of this podcast. I was criticizing mm-hmm. a lot. The signing, I was questioning the signing a lot. Mm-hmm. I have eaten that crow so hard. I've been waiting for someone uh-huh. to go back. And it doesn't. Ma- it doesn't matter, man. Th- those those are instances that. that we're happy to be wrong because it's for the benefit of the club anyway. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I was never planning mm-hmm. on the downfall or anything, you know. But Christo, what do you think about Erickson? A um, couple more comments, and mm-hmm. then we'll get off of here. So I do agree here. with both of you that um, Erickson has been really good and I think all of the interested that I've talked to they all uh, made the um, connection between Spalletti and Brozovic, Conte and uh, um, Eriksen because of the revival uh-huh. of both of their careers at, yeah. the, at Inter and to be quite honest like if it was I think up to fully up to Conte he would have signed other player and not um, Eriksen but maybe it's for the best for what has happened so far because at the end of the day it is something that both the club and the player has have benefited from and I'm happy to see him happy performing at the club and us not getting rid of him for you know an abysmal sum of 15 to 20 million euros oh yeah yeah you know we can't complain and you know it's not like FIFA you can't just Buy a guy from the transfer market, put him in, and be like, "All right, yes, yeah, that's going to fall." Oh, it's you say that, Mike, because I tweeted um, after the match that, of course, I always knew that um, Perisic was going to work out as a left wing back, but like real life, it's not like FIFA. You know, you have to take your time to put the work on the pitch. I mean, on the training ground, understand the responsibilities as far as when you have to cover, when it's okay to go up, who's, who do you mark on a corner, who covers who, who switches to who, stuff like that. And this, and especially coming from a different country, uh, you have to learn the language and all of that, you know. Um, I guess most of the time, I'm, I'm super guilty of that most of the time of expecting something to work out right away, but real life doesn't work like that. It takes time for ad- adaptation. We're seeing that with a couple of our guys right now. Yeah, I mean, Erickson, I remember that was a big criticism back in the summer was like, oh, he hasn't learned the language. But, I mean, he did spend, like, most of the beginning of 2020 in the basement of Appiano Gentile. So, I mean, I think he does deserve a little bit of leeway. And it's great that he's um, finally getting there. Looking ahead towards um, Genoa, do you think that we'll see Erickson again, or do you think this is a time for Vidal finally back? Um, personally, I think you, you keep riding the Ericsson the Ericsson wave. Actually, I think that match would be a perfect match for him, Genoa. I watched them yesterday. Actually, uh, I think they played who uh, Hellas Verona. So they are improving. They, they, they have been improving yeah, yeah. since they hired Baladini, but I still think that that should be a, a quite quite an easy game for us, where um, Ericsson will get more opportunities to pick out a beautiful pass or. Catch a catch a uh, ninety ninety degree angle from 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 a beautiful shot, all that stuff we needed to help him build his his um confidence. So I I'd like I'd like to have, see him get the continuity because what what do we have? We don't have a, a match in the middle of the week. We're about to sit on our butts for a week, wait, wait and wait for another game. So it's not a, it's not a matter of fatigue or anything. So I'd go for Ericsson, but probably Vidal against Parma. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think that we might stay on this continuous path because we do have Genoa at home, and then we do have midweek. Karma is on a Thursday, so from Sunday the 28th to Thursday oh, okay. the 4th is a midweek, so there will probably be some there. I, I think that's probably where Vidal uh, comes back. Hakimi will be back after suspension. Maybe, you know, like Bastoni, Brozovic, Barella, one of those might miss their accumulation. Um, and you really got to start looking ahead to Atalanta after that, which is way far on the horizon now. But 
yeah, I think it's something that we'll start to see with a little bit of rotation, maybe against Genoa. Um, I mean, Christo, you know, you um, there should be some reward system when it comes to playing good and uh, sacrificing yourself for a team. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. shutting up when you could have spoken about the coach, about again, uh, about the team and all that. And I do think that oh, yeah. he needs to be rewarded for that. And he has been repaying the club by good, the good performances that he's putting in in the past, uh, you know, two weeks and even training well and all that, as Conte says. But, yeah, uh, I do think that he needs to start. Do I think that he'll start? Probably. But who knows? <clears throat> because um, he may start Brozovic and maybe it would have been better if Brozovic got a yellow card or he can get a yellow card with Genoa not to play against Parma because afterwards we have uh, a stretch of games that he needs to defeat and um, not being at risk of being suspended. And, you, you know, but what do you think, Mike? And also I want to pose a question of uh, Sensi. What's happening with Sensi? It, it's a good match for him to play against Genoa, but Sensi being Sensi, you never know with him. Yeah, who knows what his muscles? He went down, like they said this week, with muscle fatigue. Um, I mean, how can and it was against it was in like a, a um, <laughs> training friendly against a City of D team. Like, if you're getting tired against City of D teams, like you can't play against Genoa, you can't play against Parma. Like, you're gonna get outrun by Gervinho and Xerxes or something. Like, you can't, yeah, for you sure. can't be doing that. And it's, it's tough. I think that Ericsson has really. Yeah, it does mm-hmm. suck. Like, we know what he can do. But I think Ericsson has jumped the pecking order above Sensi as well as Gagliardini, which, you know, I think is something we've been waiting for someone to do for yeah. about four years now as someone for to sure. get ahead of Gagliardini. So, I mean, I think Ericsson should get this run. I think if Sensi were fit, I don't think – I don't know. I don't even – I've – struggle to figure out what it's going to take for this guy to get fit or if like maybe he's got some kind of i know that it may be a mental block but maybe there is something physically degenerating within him like maybe he does need to go to a specialist or something personally i mean this is pure speculation i mean i I have no proof no no idea of it but i i remember reading either last year when he was first going through his spell of getting injured and, and re-injuring himself. He had gone to, he was sent to Germany or something to see a specialist. Um, so I would think that either they're gonna have him, have to put him on a different type of diet or whatever, because they're all muscle injuries. So it's a matter of muscle tissue and stuff like that. So it's gonna take time for it to start paying off. And I think that's probably what the team are doing. That's why they redeemed them. They felt like they could just, they could fix whatever the issue is. But it's frustrating, even if they say that he's ready to play against a farmer or Genoa. You don't want to play him because those are muscle injuries, and it takes time for him to even rebuild fitness. So every time you think he gets, he makes a couple um, substitution appearances. Like okay, maybe he'll be ready to start in three and four matches, and then boom, he picks up another stop. It's going to be another. The clock restarts again. He has to do a couple matches and. And regain fitness and all that stuff, and it sucks. It, it really does because you know we know what the guy could be. He was one of our best midfielders early last season, so I just I just wish him the best. And I also wish that it's something that could be fixed so he could go back to playing permanently. Because at this point, I don't even think he deserves to be called to the Euros, and I don't think he's gonna get the call. Yeah, that's that's really a shame that the Euro squad is gonna be missing him for Italy. But, Christo, what do you think I mean, about look, I think you and I spoke about Sensi and the issues that he has been facing. Was it last June? Just before we signed him well, officially, permanently. And, you know, we both agree that although he may be um, with someone with injury records and... Uh, oh! <laughs> of course. What a goal! I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm absolutely sorry, Christo. Who like, scored? Who scored? Uh, Zielinski, man, you should see that volley, bro. You should see it. Uh, oh, yeah. I just you know, it. like, uh, <laughs> back to Sensi, like, I've had, I fucked up my bag, like, two years ago, and I couldn't basically stand up and walk on my own for, like, two months almost. And 
afterwards that domino effect just fucks you up even more mentally because you think oh my you know if i stand up like this or if i go there my back could uh, be even more uh, you know be in a bad sense fucked up uh, maybe you know your pain starts to to have some you, you started feeling some pain in your neck and then your arm and whatnot and i think as mike said he needs to he needs to become with someone's help he needs to become more self-sufficient in that sense because although it may be physically harming i think it's more as conta put it he didn't have any injury so he may be more of a mental block and mental harms that he's facing and that he's putting on his own shoulders but he has been an amazing player and it's really a shame if he's not called up which it seems like it, it that would be the case because he hasn't performed um or hasn't played in a very long time on a consistent basis. And, you know, when he was playing at his best last season, last, uh, was it, yeah, September, um, September of 2019, wow, it's been a year and a half, wow. Um, and he played in those matches, and that, that month, he was the best player that Inter had in a decade. And that's very telling, both of Inter and the midfielders that we've had. And... Uh, it's really a shame if he continues down this path. I really do like him as a player. Hey, he'll be like a new signing if he comes back. That's what Berlusconi so used to say when to he was signing those Mr. X players back in 2010, 2011. I don't know if you remember with the Nocerino signings and all those uh, yeah, legends that's... of the game. Well, wasn't even Condogbia oh. almost like a player X I mean, he, uh, Jason Martinez from Porto, who ended up going to, I don't know, America Cali in two <laughs> years' time afterwards. Like, those are the, the golden eras of Inter and Milan. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah, how far yeah. we've come, like, thinking about mentioning uh, Ericsson to mentioning Sensi to mentioning Kendogbio. Like, we talk about how Inter may not, you know, we still don't have the confidence to be like oh yes this has been like a world-class season like everything is wonderful but like to look back and look at how far this club has come in like three years is really yeah which is why i'm really surprising i I say that i wish sunin could find a way to to, um to own the i mean to to hold on to the club because it looks like it's just about to start paying dividends and I feel like they deserve the success because yes. it's because of them. You know, they're the ones that build us back up. Of course, after they bought us from Tohir, uh, they slowly but surely start, they started by making mistakes by following and trusting the wrong people because uh, they ended up buying uh, Gabi Gol and um, John Mario because they didn't know any better. <laughs> but after that, they tightened up. They hired Morata. I, I think they started with Sabatini and then they hired Morata. Um, uh, and then oh, they started. Uh, they started to pretty much build up. Next thing you know, you hear a sponsor here, a sponsor there. Uh, they they're doing this, they're doing that, and then our revenue started growing. This is why we were able. Of course, we were able to to get back into the Champions League. That was a big part. But other than that, that's why we were able to build such a such a nice squad to the point where we were ready to win the Scudetto. And I wish that they're able to to savor that victory at least a couple of seasons before they have to sell. Yeah, um, we could probably spend a whole episode on Inter's finances and global politics and everything that is playing into Inter's ownership problems. But, um, yeah, I hope that Sunin can hold on and, you know, not get us liquidated. But if it takes a minority stake coming in, that's fine. But if they do sell to a majority, like, owner, I do hope that it's someone who's going to continue. For sure, for sure. I mean, if if Sunin has to go... I, I hope we get that 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 oil money, man. So Conte could pretty much get to go and shop at a hundred dollar restaurant every fucking day. <laughs> yeah. So Conte Whatever could go buy like all the old men that we'll you have all, to all have all the of the world. You know, and he he probably buy Ibrahimovic. He's thirty, he's forty, and he's playing well right now. <laughs> he played the Premier League <laughs> once upon a time, maybe. Here's the criteria. Yeah, well, you know, um, I think that's 
basically everything we can kind of cover at this moment. Um, this is a really good episode. Um, covered a lot. Of course, celebrated a big win. Um, Dave, appreciate it a lot coming on, man. Um, I'm sure we'll have you a lot more in the future. Um, Christo, as always, thanks for being my right-hand man, being the guy that edits. Guys, again, uh, I mean it. Thank you very much for having me on. It means a lot to me, and I enjoyed this conversation. It didn't even feel like we're doing a podcast. It's really three interesting, celebrating a win, and knowledgeable interesting at that. So um, I'm happy I, I got the opportunity to, to come on. I can't wait to listen to it. And for sure, anytime, just let me know. I'll come on with you guys. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. And hey, before we go, we'll before we go, my boy, Gosen just scored best left back in the world. Well, not in the world, in the league. Best left back in the league, okay? <laughs> <laughs>